and welcome to episode 55 of the Elevate Your Running podcast. I am with my co-host Austin Myers and we are so excited to be back for another week and we're going to be talking all about Austin's exciting first 100 mile ultra race and um if you followed along on instagram over the weekend it looked incredible and i can't wait to dig into the details we actually didn't even talk about it before recording to keep it fresh and um in the moment for both of us and i'm just so excited to chat with um with him about that today um and with that austin how you doing i'm doing well I am uh, I'm doing really well. I'm excited to be able to sit down and and discuss this race. We're actually only about 36 to 40 hours removed from finishing this race, so it's still all very new. Uh it's funny I was told that I wouldn't be able to sleep after this race just because of the stress that you have on your body and how much it beats you up. I will say that has not been true for me. I have slept quite a bit um so i i feel like i've kind of been in a daze a little bit but um i'm really excited to kind of be able to discuss what this race was and all that it meant to me and um you know this the special moments that came out of it absolutely and i'm so excited to hear that i think um i know in my experience of just running you know a little over a quarter of what you ran on saturday um, my body usually has a really tough time, like settling in. And the first few nights after running a marathon are usually like very poor sleep quality. And we all know that sleep is the number one recovery tool. So I'm really, really, really glad that, um, that you're getting all the Z's that you can get right now. And, um, before you head back to work and go back to life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it was a special weekend and um, at the same time, like I am excited to kind of get back into the swing of things with work and, and just being able to, um, you know, really appreciate what this weekend was, but continue forward as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great place to be. Um, well, we'll get into that here in a moment. I'm going to kick off the episode with my elevated moment, um, which is, spending time with just really great humans this weekend. Um, headed down to Mesa, Arizona and raced the 10 K it was part of, um, my marathon prep. We didn't taper down and I still had six miles that I ran on Friday afternoon once I got there. And it turned out to be a really great day for a lot of people who ran the weather was perfect. It was so great. And, um, I managed to squeak out a PR, which felt really great on tired legs. And I think, and know that the most exciting piece to the entire weekend was just being surrounded with, um, some of my teammates, um, Kate, Peggy and Charlotte, who's a great running friend. We're all down there. And we had just a great weekend of running community endorphins, um, a lot of food (laughs) and just a lot of really just great, vibes and really great just time together. So it was definitely a full cup type of weekend, especially when you can walk away um, with a PR during a training cycle. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, it was really cool to see Sarah. Um, I thought about you a little bit on on the course for me, knowing that you were racing as well and and being in Mesa last year with you. Uh, it's a really nice race. And I'm glad to hear that you had good weather for it as well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely 
better weather than last year. It was cooler. Um, but it was interesting, Austin, because the 10K that I raised is the last 10K of the marathon. It's the last 10K of the half that Abby ran last year as well. And um, definitely a few memories came up when yeah. I was running that and just how different it was yeah. from a year ago. Um, but it was really great times. And interestingly enough, um, I had a long run on Sunday. I had 16 miles and the first 12 felt pretty good. And then my body was like, I don't really want to do this anymore. And I had stopped to use the restroom. And then my legs were like, we're done. We don't want to do this. And it was you that got me through it. So I thought about you and like everything that you created on Saturday. And I'm like, if Austin can run, you know, five 20 mile loops, I can run four miles home. And um, so it's cool that we got to, you know, channel each other to kind of get through tough times for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. That was really cool to see. And one of my encouragements to people as people were reaching out the day before the race was just get out there and run for me this weekend. You know, like if, if you are watching the journey of, of what this 100 mile race was to become, uh, I was just hoping that other people would get out there this weekend as well, get some miles in, make the most of their opportunity to train and grow. And, uh, that is what I saw. And it was really cool to, to hear that, you know, I could serve as some sort of inspiration for those people, but I will say, you know, I can kind of use this as my elevated moment. One of the coolest things that came out of this weekend was that it wasn't necessarily me that created the inspiration for people. A lot of the people who reached out were commending the team that we had out on that race course this weekend, mm -hmm. the people who came out and supported and you know, it was a big reason that I signed up for this race. It was something that I hoped that could happen to have that many people out there supporting me and to feel like I had so many amazing people in my corner. But to see it actually come to fruition and to feel it in the moments where I really needed the support. And then to also see that that was a big takeaway, takeaway for people watching from the outside and saying that, that was really cool to see. That's the type of community that they want to be surrounded by. That's what they're searching for. That's what they have. That was really special. And that that is what I wanted to share more than anything. It was not ever about me running 100 miles. It was about being able to do it with people and to create experiences and to be able to share a story so that people can see that and believe and to know that they can apply that type of experience to their lives and they can make it happen too because i have seen these stories told and i wanted to create that story i wanted to be a part of that story and i wanted to have people in that story with me and that's what we were able to do this weekend it's definitely something that i'll never forget it's definitely something that i'm still trying to comprehend a little bit because it's a lot and uh you know when you when you feel like you have so many special people out there supporting you, it does kind of weigh heavily on you as well. Um, and, and it puts a, a special type of pressure on you to the point that you just want to show up as well as you can for them, not only in the way that you perform on the race course, but also in the way that you treat people in your daily life. Because of this weekend, I want nothing more like, you know, a lot of times people say, you have this post-race high 
where you immediately want to go sign up for another race. I am, <laughs> I do not have that at all right now. Uh, I do not want to sign up for another race, at least not in the next, like, I don't want to race again in the next like eight months. Let's say that. But what I do have is a post-race high in the way of wanting to support other people as much as I possibly can. I want to go to someone's ultra and crew them. I want to support someone in whatever they're working towards and however I can help them to achieve a goal. I want to be able to pick people up when they're in a dark moment like I was this past weekend. Like That is the post-race high that I'm experiencing right now because I saw it from so many selfless people who came out and spent the time and, and braved, you know, some cold weather and stayed up for 24 plus hours. It, it was a very special thing to get to witness. And it really just taught me so many things about how I want to live my life every single day. That's incredible, Austin. And I love that so so, so much. I mean, we are stronger together, right? Like that is something that we both know. And it's something that we've talked about on this podcast. It's something I work really hard as a coach to bring my Elevate team together, whether they're, you know, across the country or if they live in Denver or Boulder, like we are one team and we are so much stronger to be that one team than one individual trying to go out there and creating magic all on their own because they can create 10 times that magic when they have others lifting them high. Um, I would love to talk more about community. First, I want to just start from the beginning because you had um, some incredible posts on Instagram over the weekend, um, but I really want to go back to the very beginning of when you decided to sign up for an ultra, why, and why this particular ultra? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny. This race had kind of been on my mind for over a year, uh, at least since it occurred last year. And, and the reason that it was on my radar was um, because of the founder of the company that I work for, Bear Performance Nutrition, Nick Bear, ran the Rocky Raccoon 100 miler last year. So he brought the team out to that race. And, you know, it that was an example of like, I had seen these stories told before. I had seen the way that a team can come together and the, the BPN community that I'm so happy to be a part of now can come together to support these really audacious goals. So seeing that race, you know, take place and it was just a, a, a beautiful setting and knowing that, you know, one day I wanted to run 100 miles and I wanted to, you know, experience that ultra feeling and, and the challenge that it presented so that was one of the races that was kind of at the top of my list. So I'd considered signing up for it before anything else really happened in my life. And then getting the opportunity to move to Texas, uh, just outside of Austin, about three hours away from Huntsville, Texas, which is where the race took place. That really kind of pushed me over the edge of like, you're here now. And you also have the opportunity to bring a team out there and to bring the community to that race once again, and to feel that energy that is created when you bring so many amazing people together. 
And I, it just, you know, so much of my life, like I tried to really lean into intuition and just what feels right. And to go in the direction of like where my energy is pulling me and knowing how many times I ended up on the Rocky raccoon race website for no reason at all. I just knew that it was something that I, I felt like I needed to do. And I didn't think it needed to be next year. I didn't think I needed to push it off. I just needed to sign up for it and commit. And, you know, this is coming kind of in the middle of or on the heels of what wasn't necessarily a, a real marathon prep for me just because of all the life changes that were taking place and not really feeling like, you know, I wanted to be preparing for a marathon to the extent that I had in the past. But believing that there was still something out there for me to train for and a purpose to try to achieve. And I really think that this race was that thing. And it was the place that I was able to channel my physical and emotional energy over these last four to five months. And just investing so heavily in whatever it took to get to that start line so that I could be healthy and prepared to perform to the highest possible level not just for myself, but for the people around me, because I knew if I could bring a community out there, if I could see all of these amazing people who were willing to sacrifice for me that weekend and to give so much of their time and energy for me, I knew that if I could put myself in that position, that there was no doubt that I was going to finish the race. And fortunately, that's what we were able to do. And it's just really a testament to going in the direction that feels right and trusting your intuition, trusting your gut and just living with, with the passion that is there for all of us, but it can be far too easy to kind of look past it oftentimes. Absolutely. Um, Justin Sua, he is um, a sports psychologist, motivational coach. He works with professional teams all over the country uh, he has a podcast. He releases a daily episode that's two, three, maybe four minutes long each day. And he talks about the safety net of when you go out and do something big, like what Austin did over the weekend and how sometimes the most, the most beautiful things can come from having no safety net at all, right? You're just jumping headfirst into this. And I feel like, Austin, that is what you did. You were in this, you know, change in your life. You had moved to Texas. You were prepping for New York. You decided to sign up for this 100-mile uh, race or, you know, you listened to your intuition and did that. How do you know when it's your intuition talking or if there's something else maybe kind of pulling at you, like, how do you know when it's like the right move? Yeah, for me, it's just, where is my mind going more often than not? So, you know, this is a reason I really like running, uh, specifically in the morning, specifically without music, is because it just allows my mind to wonder. And there's so many other moments in life where, in our daily lives, that we can create this space for ourselves to just let our minds wander and, and kind of go to places that we're not trying to push it towards. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I'm in those moments, and those are some of the most powerful moments of my life, because they reveal that intuition, they reveal what is almost being 
given to me by something that's not me. Like this, this intention, this purpose that I could have never created for myself, but it is there. And if you just create that space and you allow yourself to actually listen and to then consider like, okay, what are the conscious action steps that I need to take from these feelings that I'm having on a reoccurring basis? That to me is intuition. That to me is being able to, to just uncover such powerful moments, like moments that truly will stick with you for a lifetime, but we'll never find those moments if we don't give ourselves the space, the space to listen, the space to hear, and then the space to consider what we need to do next. And for me, it was just as simple as signing up. And, you know, another big part of it that I, I think I struggle with a lot actually is I've signed up for this race. I know that I want to bring a team out there. I want to have a community surrounding me for this race. But how do I ask for that? How do I ask for someone to show up for me and to support me and do so in, in a way that's not egotistical? Because I think that's where my mind probably goes immediately. Is like, who am I to ask for so many amazing people to help me out? It's like, what, what do I believe I've done to deserve all of the care and, and support that I got this past weekend? But, you know, my hope would be that for everyone who was there this weekend, for everyone who is watching from social media, is that there's a lot of power in that. And it's not just about me. It's not just about giving me the support. It's about giving people the encouragement that they can do the same because there is nothing more powerful than doing these things with people. Mm -hmm. If I were to go out there and, and run this 100 mile ultra marathon by myself, I could have gotten something out of it, but I would have gotten nothing. Um, you know, nothing as much as I got out of it this past weekend. It was always about the people that I could bring with me. And, um, I'm so fortunate that that was able to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I am too. And the BPN community is an incredible community. I mention this to you like every week, every time I see you, it's so fun to see everything that the brand and the people create on social media. Um, how did you ask your friends and your colleagues and the community around you to support you? How did that happen? How did that um, transpire? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think a big part of it is understanding that we all have a story to tell and people want to follow a good story. Uh, Donald Miller is an author. He writes nonfiction and fiction, but a lot of his message is built around the fact that we are all just telling a story and that we have the ability to, with our lives, tell a beautiful story. So I always feel like if you want to bring people along for the journey, you want to have a story that that has people involved in it and and really magnifies those experiences alongside people, you have to be willing to tell your story. And a lot of that comes down to talking about it and sharing the training and sharing the fact that you have a big goal and letting people in and helping them realize that you're not a robot. Like that's, that's a big thing for me is like, I, I fall into the trap sometimes of seeing people do really big things on social media and kind of separating the human from the accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And that's something that 
I never want to do with the story that I'm telling. I want people to see the dark moments. I want people to see the vulnerability because that's where the strength comes from. The strength comes from the weakness. So for me, it was always about making my goal known, showing people that I was going to work towards it with everything that I had. I was going to stay committed, almost establishing that trust of like, if you come support me, if you become a part of the story, we're going to tell a beautiful one and we're going to accomplish this goal together. It was never just about me when I was asking people to, and and that's what it came down to was honestly like, you're telling the story, but you also need to be direct and say, Hey, like I value the person that you are and I need you. I need you to come out and support me. Can you do that for me? And I think just establishing that value for people and, and being very clear and saying that you are extremely important in the story that I'm telling. And I want to bring you along for that. So that's what it was for me. Just being direct, asking for what you need and want and seeing who shows up for you. And when someone shows up for you, it just makes you want to show up for others so much more. Yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful feeling. I think for all parties, right? We all want to be seen, heard. We all want to be, you know, felt like we're needed on some level. Um, And that's incredible. And I'm really, really, just really proud of the community that you did create over the weekend. Um, How... How did that all work out with like the pacing? Um, you had people pacing you, running with you. You had loops. Do you want to kind of give a recap on kind of how the course was structured, um, when you got to see your friends and family and kind of get into more details surrounding that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll start from the beginning of the race, then I'll kind of get into, you know, where the team came into play. Um, this is a, a course that was five 20 mile loops. So, you know, as we head into the race, the strategy is pretty clear. We, we know that we're going to get to see and have the team together every 20 miles. Uh, and then we also identified one aid station along the 20 mile course, about nine miles in that we would use every loop beyond the first one. So I was going to run the first 20 miles solo, no support needed. And then after that, we were going to go every nine or 11 miles that we would have basically an aid station. Um, I decided to use my first pacer at mile 54. And then I was fortunate enough to have three people total who were going to pace me. Um, and I'll get into that a little bit more here in a moment, but, you know, coming into the race, one thing that was really important for me was that if I was going to have so many people coming out to be a part of this, I wanted everyone to see the value that they had in the, the mission that we were trying to work towards and making sure that everyone had a role because at the end of the day, like we all need to know the actionable steps that we can take that's going to help the team accomplish the mission. So that was a big part of it for me, whether it was, you know, the crew trying to get the nutrition and the fuel prepared, trying to get camp set up and established, trying to get from aid station to aid station. Um, I was fortunate enough to have some of the BPN media team out there taking 
absolutely amazing pictures and getting absolutely amazing video, which will continue to come out over the next few weeks, hopefully. You know, like just giving people those steps that they can take so that they know exactly why they're there. I never wanted anyone to doubt why they were there and whether they had a reason or a, a purpose or a value that they could provide to the team. So that was a really big part of it for me. So coming into the day, I hope that that was clear for everybody. That morning was absolutely incredible. I just remember standing there. It was a rolling start. So I essentially had between 6, 10 a.m. and 7.15 to start. So the plan was to step off around 6.45. Um, and I just remember standing there, you know, it was basically just the woods of of Texas and there's a big lake and the sun was rising over the lake with the fog. And it was like, yeah, this is going to be a good day. Like you are in the exact situation that you dreamed about a few months ago when you considered this being a possibility. So just going into the start of that race, I knew we were going to do this and it was going to be special. So stepping off, uh, I believe 6.40 a.m., and just really trying to settle in early um, and in a way kind of turn my mind off just because I knew how long I was going to have to perform and and put out effort and then later on in the race be able to really, you know, call upon a lot of that mental energy to push through some of the harder moments of the race. So I was trying to just relax into the race from early on. And because of that, I think I made a wrong turn about a mile into the race and there was a 100 miler, which I was running. And then there was a 100 K, which is 62 miles and early on in the race. And I probably would have known this if I would have done a better job of reading the pre-race emails, there was a left turn for the 100 K and a right turn for the 100 miler. I took the left turn and I continued running and I'm looping around and it looks like I'm running back to the water, which is where the start line is. And as I get closer and closer, I'm like, oh, this is not good. I am not where I'm supposed to be right now. So I get back to the start line. I kind of just stop and I look around. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just got lost 15 minutes into this race. And I was able to talk to one of the race directors and he said, yeah, I, I believe that you just accidentally turned onto the 100 K course. You need to just go back basically from start. He's like, if you run backwards into back into the course, you're going to end up running the same distance. So I ran back out and obviously now I'm, I'm not really zoned out at all. I'm very focused on identifying where my mistake was made. And then I come to that turn and I see, okay, I, clearly turned left instead of right. So now, you know, you're looking at basically early on in the day, I'm like, all right, we're not running 100 miles. We're running 102 miles today. And that's just challenge number one that we're going to have to face and that we're going to have to overcome. And, and that was really mental though. And I think that I had to accept that, that, you know, if I'm going to run 100 miles, I can run 102 miles. This is not a physical issue. Mm -hmm. This is something that I just have to overcome and, and accept 
from the mental side of things. And it took some time to, to do that for sure. And it, it kind of continued to come back up into my mind as the race went on, especially when I hit 100 miles and still knew that I had two miles left. Uh, and I was really, you know, struggling to get to the finish at 4 a.m. It never really went away, like that feeling of, man, I wish I hadn't made that mistake. But I knew that it was a part of the story and that I could overcome it and that I could use it in some small way to my advantage. Um, so that was kind of, you know, a funnier turn of events early on in the race, but but one that we could move past and and move on from. And then, you know, from then on, it was really just settle in. And I was actually able to settle in really well. I ran loop one and loop two, and I believe a very similar amount of time. Like, I think it was pretty even in terms of like how close the time was. And I knew I was moving pretty fast. Now, what I didn't know is that when I cross like the 50 mile mark, so, you know, my watch goes off, I've run 50 miles and I'm curious to see like, okay, what is our halfway point split? And it was like under nine hours. And I'm like, whoa, I did not expect that. Like that was kind of shocking. Now I, I did know that, all right, just because you ran, let's say nine hours flat for the 50, that doesn't mean we're running an 18 hour, 100 mile ultra. Like you're more often than not going to run that second half of the race slower. And I definitely did. But that was definitely something to be like, wow, like we're moving very well out here. We're taking advantage of amazing conditions, amazing support. And this can be a really amazing day. Now, there were still issues. Um, I had stomach issues come up on the second loop. So miles 20 to 40, I had stomach issues. And that was that affected me a little bit too, because I, I expected to have stomach issues, but I expected to get through 40 miles feeling really good. So to come into the aid station at mile 40 and actually not be feeling good, that kind of took me some time to come to terms with, and then also have to, to strategize for. And I think, you know, coming out of that, what I found is that whole food at that point in the race was really important for me. And I also believe that you know, if you just continue to move forward in this type of event where you're pushing hard for so long, your body does find some sort of acceptance with what you're doing and it does settle in. Um, and so just taking in whole food, continuing to move forward. Like I think my fear was that when I was having stomach issues around mile 35 or whatever it was, the fear was that this is going to be the rest of the race. But that's kind of the trick of an ultra is that it's not like these low points of the race don't stick around. And it's funny because I thought about that, you know, mile 65, I'm running and I'm like, I feel great. Like we're at mile 65. We're moving. I'm ahead of the pace that I intended, you know, like, the daylight is beginning to go away, but we're farther along than I expected to be heading into nighttime. And I'm like, okay, this is a high point. You had a low point earlier. You're in a high point now. 
that probably means that you're going to have another low point soon. And that was true. Um, it was probably like the last 24 miles that were really tough. I mean, that was, that was the hardest point of the race and it didn't really go away. Those last 24 miles, there were a few good stretches where I was able to push and, and feel strong, but there's just something about running at night, um, trying to be really cautious with like, okay, where are the roots? I don't want to trip and fall. And then, you know, your legs are already beat up from 75 miles of running before that. And fortunately I have amazing pacers out there with me, but at the same time you're pushing through that battle inside by yourself. Um, and that was one of the more, I think shocking takeaways that I have from this race is just how much I battled inside my mind. And I don't really know that it showed on the outside. I know that at times it did, but I really like just hyper-focused on what was happening to the point that it was actually hard to like communicate with my pacers what was going on. I almost felt like I didn't have necessarily the energy to communicate with my pacers as effectively as I could because I was almost having such a strong inner dialogue with myself, which was a really interesting takeaway and experience. But, you know, in those harder moments of the race, it was important for me to understand that that's what I signed up for. And mm -hmm. I told one of my pacers, Logan, you know, we're at like mile 78. And I'm like, dude, we ran 77 miles to get to this point, like the beginning of the race, like mile 78, when I'm starting to really feel like I'm struggling, the race is starting now. And that was definitely true. And, you know, as the race went on, a lot of challenges presented itself, but that's why you sign up for it. Like a story is not interesting. A story does not appeal to people. If there's not a conflict that has to be overcome and an ultra marathon will provide you with twists and turns and highs and lows. And it's all about how you react. Um, and you know, I did my best to react, uh, as well as I could to overcome those situations. And I saw every turn of the way, the way that the crew reacted to those situations because they knew when it was getting hard and they knew that I needed support and they provided that support and they showed up for me fully. And that really more than anything else kept me going. Absolutely. It's when you're at that point of exhaustion and you have a team giving you what you need without even having to ask for it, that is dedication, it's commitment, it's friendship, it's community. It's amazing. Let's, um, well, let's give a shout out to the BPN uh, media team. Um, Y'all are amazing. And Austin's Instagram definitely is popping right now with like awesome videos, really amazing um, photography. Austin, if you could send them up to Colorado for a weekend, I would love that. Um, so I'm so glad that you aligned um, with your friends there to be able to support you in that aspect. Um, but I want to go back to 
what you said about the inner dialogue and being, you know, in your head, maybe a little bit more than communicating with your, with your pacers and your friends, like, what did that inner dialogue look like? What did it sound like? And did you need to kind of pull yourself out of any sort of negative talk? Did you need to flip the script? Can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah, it's really incredible the amount of negative self-talk that I had actually throughout that race, you wouldn't really think it like, you know, when you have amazing photography and video and like these spectacular ways that you can tell a story, when you're looking at the story, it looks like everything is going well. And even when you see the struggle, it's easy to assume that the person going through that struggle is still mentally strong and that they understand that this this conflict they're trying to overcome will make them stronger and and that they have a a positive perspective surrounding that for me the the negative self-talk was pretty surprising mainly in the way of just like overanalyzing maybe how i felt at specific points of the race you know i don't want to say i ever believed i wouldn't finish but i think that i expected myself to be able to perform a little bit better at specific points of the race and maybe just overanalyzing some of the struggle that I was having. I expected myself to be stronger in those moments than I felt like I was. Um, And that was just a pressure that I was always going to put on myself and that I will always continue to put on myself. But I do believe that that pressure as I say, truly does make diamonds like people who perform at a very high level, people who continue to achieve from year to year, like they put that pressure on themselves and it's extremely uncomfortable, but it does produce results. (laughs) You have to balance it because it can be really hard. Like you can't go through that every single day, Mm -hmm. but in those tougher moments, you just have to allow it to be a part of reality and you have to be able to to push forward. I was never going to stop because of the negative self-talk. I was never going to allow it to take me out of the race. If anything, it put me even farther into the race. It was really just a step-by-step approach and just continue to keep pushing. But some of the highest points of the race for me was when I was with the crew because it allows you to get out of your own head. It allows you to be with the people who are the reason that you're there. And I mean, I remember a few times like mile 40 is a good example. I was coming into that aid station, like really frustrated. And by the time I'm leaving that aid station, 10 minutes later, I'm like smiling and I'm laughing and I'm telling jokes. And it's like, that's all because of the people who are there for you. And that was really incredible. And And that really picked me up. Like I could have probably done this alone, but I wouldn't have wanted to do it alone because I wouldn't have been able to smile as much. I wouldn't have been able to laugh as much. And now I wouldn't be able to share in those experiences with anyone else if, if I didn't have that crew around me. Yeah. I mean, community is so important. We've talked so much about that, but it is so true. Like you can definitely be a lone wolf in so many aspects of your life. Um, I know I fall into that trap a lot. I have a very hard time asking for help and I like to do things alone, 
But truly, when you're able to be vulnerable, to ask others for what you need, request support, um, you see this like beautiful commitment that you didn't necessarily maybe knew was there. And you get to create something so special. And specifically for you, Austin, for this weekend, incredible memories that are going to last a lifetime with these people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, one one thing that stuck on my mind throughout the race was something that my friend Ian actually commented on a post one day, uh, and it was in a book that he had read and now I'm reading. And it the quote reads very simply, the courage to meet the demands of reality. So basically having the courage to meet the demands of reality. And, you know, he shared that with me at a time when I was really beginning to focus on what this race day was going to look like and what it was going to take beyond the training that I had already done to overcome the challenges of an ultra marathon and to complete 100 miles. And the thing that I continued to come back to throughout that race was that you just need to meet the demands of reality. So when I take a wrong turn one mile into the race, and now I have to run 102 miles, that is your new reality. When I begin to feel a lot worse than I wanted to at that point in the race at mile 40, that is your new reality. When I'm falling asleep moving, and that that was actually a shocking moment of the race was like, we're at mile 78, two miles out from, you know, the mile 80 aid station where I could see the entire crew. I knew that was going to be a really big moment to fuel up for those final 20 miles. And I'm like, man, I'm like really dizzy. I need nutrition. I need to get some salt in me, electrolytes. And so we get to the, the aid station and I consume food. I consume electrolytes. I leave standing up, feeling a lot better than I did coming in, sitting down. But then we're out on the course about a mile or two after that aid station. And I'm like, man, like I still feel dizzy. Like I, I my eyes are just kind of like closing on me. And I'm like, Logan, I think I'm falling asleep. <laughs> like I've never felt that in my life, but I was actually falling asleep running. And that continued for... 10 to 12 miles probably. Um, and fortunately, like I, I got a caffeine pill at like mile 90 and that pepped me up a little bit. Um, I tried to take a nap at mile 90 for like three minutes and I couldn't fall asleep, which was kind of shocking because I kept expecting to like fall on my face asleep while I was running. Uh, but that was just reality. And I wasn't able to anticipate that that was going to happen. But once it presented itself, I had to accept what it was and identify any steps that I could take to overcome it. And it takes courage to do that. It takes courage to look at a situation, understand that it's going to push you to the limit, but that if you if you accept it and if you look at it from different angles, you can break it down and come up with a solution. And that is what these really big goals that we set for ourselves can do for us it forces us to be problem solvers. We've talked about this in, in earlier episodes of the podcast, Sarah. It forces us, if we choose for it to, to put us in the position of being a hero and not a victim. 
a victim looks at that challenging situation and says that they can't meet the demands of reality. They use reality as a reason to say that they can't do something. The hero looks at reality and says, this is how I can overcome this. And this is how I can set the example for other people to overcome the challenges of their lives. And that's what I viewed this ultra as, is that I'm not going to have people out here taking pictures of me, pulling video for me, post that on social media and not show up and overcome these challenging moments. I'm going to give everything that I have out there. I'm going to meet the demands of these realities that are pushing me to places I've never been before, but that I know I can conquer. I know I can overcome and I know I can be stronger for facing. There was not going to be excuses. There was just going to be solutions. And I was very fortunate that I didn't have to have those solutions on my own. Like I didn't have to go find that caffeine pill at mile 90. Someone brought it to me. I didn't have to freeze my butt off at any time that I sat down. Like what's it turn nighttime? I was really surprised by like the temperature swings. So like if I stopped moving for two minutes, I was shivering. I didn't have to go find that blanket that got put over me. So it's like bring people along. Let people become a part of your story because they're going to help to like magnify those moments that are struggles. They're not easy, but that there are solutions for and that you can you can definitely overcome. Absolutely. I, we we talk about, yeah, we talk about the hero, the victim. We love the hero. And I'm so, I'm not surprised at all that you stepped into that position and into that space for this race. Was there anything that came up that you haven't talked about that you were surprised that showed itself throughout the 102 miles? It's hard to understand how bad it does hurt at the end of the race. Um, and, you know, the issues of an ultra compound pretty significantly. Yeah. If you have an issue early on, uh, it'll come back and it'll present itself again. And you will have to overcome it again. Um, you know, from whatever, we'll just say it was the halfway point. Like I was like, oh, like my hamstring quad area, my right leg is hurting pretty badly. Uh, but that's normal. Like that's just the way it's going to feel like this isn't going to feel good to run 100 miles. But man, those last like 10 miles, just stepping over, like basically at a walking pace and just like maneuvering some of the terrain hurt pretty badly. Um, maybe more than I could have like understood in the moment of considering the race and understanding that, yeah, obviously it's going to hurt to run 100 miles, but when you're in it, it's different. And when you're in it with one issue that then stacks on another issue, which then stacks on like negative self-talk and that inner dialogue that we were discussing earlier, like all of these things build up to the point that you're no longer dealing with one reality. You're now trying to meet the demands of multiple different aspects of your reality. So that definitely like reached a boiling point those last six to eight miles uh, to the point that, you know, I'll probably reflect on those last six to eight miles 
for quite a while now, you know, moving forward as I consider future races that I want to sign up for, potentially future ultras. I wasn't necessarily happy with how I handled myself those last six to eight miles. Um, Less so about the pace that I was moving, which was pretty slow at that point. Um, But just the way that I couldn't necessarily get myself out of that negative feeling. Even when I knew I was so close, it's almost like the relief was never going to come. Especially, you know, hitting mile 100 and knowing that you have like 2.5 miles left and it's like okay you told yourself 75 miles ago that you were going to be okay with this and now you're not and definitely like over analyzing that situation but i think that you need to i think that that's what an ultra provides is you're going to break yourself down to the fullest possible level you're going to be vulnerable you're going to see a side of yourself that you don't even really know is there like how are you going to handle those situations like it's almost like where does that what's the default what do you default to in that moment of extreme pain and discomfort and and fatigue and exhaustion and i think for the final six to eight miles of that race i wasn't necessarily happy with where i was defaulting to um, there's a lot to be proud of from this race and I'm, I'm very proud of it, but I do think it's important for me to take lessons from it that I can, I can use as points of growth so that when I run 100 miles again, not only can I expect to feel that way, but I can also create a plan to say, okay, how are you going to handle it differently? Because that that is how we grow. We, we understand what the reality is and we, we try to create a plan and then stick to the plan for how we want to handle that situation. Absolutely. I mean, we're type A runners, right? Most of us are, we love planning. We love sticking with the plan, but I have to say, like, I think, well, wouldn't you say Austin, or, or do you think that maybe most people in that situation, um, maybe it's in every ultra, maybe it's just in your first one, two, three, whatever that looks like. You kind of go into that space with six, eight, two miles left to go. Um, and it's probably something that comes up a little more often than you think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a place that everyone goes. I think it's just really easy to hold yourself to a different standard yeah. and, you know, for me, it's like, I just ran 100 miles for the first time in my life. And there's still parts of that, that I'm not necessarily satisfied with. Mm -hmm. And I accept that pressure that I put on myself. Like I'm fine with that. Um, I'm, I'm extremely happy with it. There's experiences that came out of this weekend that I'll never forget, but I'm also not going to like turn my head to the parts of, of that experience that I want to get better from. Yeah. I think that's super smart. And it's also like, not to downplay what you did. There are other races, I would argue the marathons like that for a lot of 
athletes or a half marathon, like you go through the experience once you celebrate the wins, there's definitely things that you would do differently. And then you grow, hopefully you grow and learn from them. You apply them in your next training cycle or for your next race. And it's continuing to evolve as an athlete, as a human, um, and on race day on how you're showing up both body and mind. Um, so I think it's totally fair. And, you know, out of 102 miles or 102 and a half miles, like only having like six to eight of them at the very end at 4 a.m. to say that like I didn't show up the way that I wanted to is pretty darn remarkable. Like it was so inspiring to watch. And um, I know last week and in previous weeks, we, we talked about how you didn't have a set goal time but you still managed to run this under 24 hours, which is huge. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely cool um, to see the the finish time and to know that I was able to finish in under 24 hours. And, you know, just to understand that, like, I went out at a, a pretty good pace. Like I said, the first 50 yeah. miles were under nine hours. And I knew at that point, I'm like, okay, that's probably going to create some like, struggle later on in the race to to push yourself but I, i've never really been one to say okay pull back like to an extreme amount so that you feel better later i've always kind of erred on the side of push yourself when you feel good and then if you have to pay for it later you can overcome it like it's not going to be easy at the end of an ultra anyways yeah and i wanted to come out of this race like pretty broken i wanted to finish and know that that was my limit and that I couldn't have given much more. And I think I probably found that based off the way the last few miles went. Um, and, you know, a question that I, I kind of reflect on now is like, we can ask two questions. Number one is how far can I, our minds take us and the second question is on the opposite end, how much can our minds limit us? Y you know, you can, you can have these conversations with yourself where you find every reason in the book to say that you can't do something. You shouldn't be running as fast as you are at this point in the race. You can't run another 20 miles. But, you know, you have to flip it. Like you need to tell yourself and ask, like, how much can you give? What can you do? And find those those moments where you get to prove to yourself how strong you are, as opposed to looking at all the reasons that you can't push through a challenging situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's flipping the script and looking at the positive and what you can give, um, because ultimately we get to do all the things, right? That's the mindset. Um, you know, we get to do hard things. We get to do incredible things. We get to do challenging things and we get to flow through it and become ultimately a stronger, hopefully happier human and athlete as well. How do you feel? Do you feel like your definition of community has changed? Um, prior to running this race and then now after? Yeah, you know, I think it has. Um, I think that now more than ever, and I'll continue to feel this way, 
that community is is just so action based. I think it's it's really easy to look at you know people who stand around next to each other and and connect with each other on social media and to say that's a community. Everyone, I've thought about this a lot over the last few months actually because I feel like I hear everywhere. Yeah, I'm trying to build a community. What does that mean? Like, what does it mean to build a community? And and coming out of this weekend, I believe that if you want to build a community, it is not about like what you're going to do for yourself or your personal brand. It is about what you're willing to do for the person next to you. Mm -hmm. I, you know, this book I'm reading was talking about trust. And it's like, how do you build true trust? You build it by serving somebody in their best interest when they're not watching. So you're acting in someone else's best interest when they don't know what you're doing. So it's not like they're watching you like, okay, what are you going to do for me when I need you? Mm-hmm. They don't, they're they not even consciously aware that you can help them and you're still acting in their best interest. And that is what I saw from the community that surrounded me this past weekend is that everyone's there just trying to do what they can to get us to the finish line. Community is built off of action. It's not words. It's not one single message. Mm-hmm. It's action when you're tired and you're cold and you're hungry, which I'm sure a lot of people were out there at this ultra marathon this past weekend. I wasn't the only one falling asleep, I'm sure. And yet people are still acting in the best interest of me and those around me. And it's just like the highest extent of selfless service that I've ever felt. And to me, it's like, all right, if I want to build a community or if I want to be a part of a powerful community, I need to stop asking, like, what are other people going to do for me? And start asking, what can I do for other people? Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. And I love that that's what you're coming out of this with. Um, community is definitely about people, selflessness for sure. And the character building of, or just the character of someone of, you know, when no one's looking, how is that person reacting, right? What are they doing? How are they reacting um, to the situation or the circumstance? So I absolutely love that. Have you thought about what's next for you in terms of supporting others and building a stronger community around you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have some plans in August to go support one of uh, my pacers from this past weekend, Matt, who's going to be running the Leadville 100. Uh, he made it 87 miles last year and unfortunately got cut off due to time, oh. but I have no doubt in my mind that Matt's going to finish this upcoming year, especially considering he ran the Leadville 100 last year on 30 days notice. So essentially no training and he still made it 87 miles. Uh, So one of my biggest goals for the remainder of the year is to go out to Leadville, support, pace a little bit and make sure that Matt crosses the finish line at the Leadville 100, which is just an absolutely amazing race that, I definitely have future aspirations for. Uh, And then beyond that, it's just like encouraging people to, like we've mentioned already, trust that intuition, 
really finding like the passions that people have, you can find it when you talk to somebody. And this is what I find for myself. Like if I continue to default to specific conversation topics or if things continue to come up in my mind, like that's clearly something that I'm interested in that I need to explore more. So like as you're talking to people, what are they discussing with you? What are their goals? What are they, What can you tell really like lights their soul on fire when they're talking? Because those are the things that as a friend, you need to encourage them to pursue. If they love doing something, help them to identify a goal that they can set for themselves and help them to get there. And then on the day of, be there for them. Be there for them when it gets hard and show them that they are really strong. It was extremely powerful running with Logan, one of my pacers, who this is the second time I've met Logan in person. And it was the first time that I met Matt. So each of them paced me and they traveled from Matt from Iowa, Logan from Kentucky, ironically, which is where I'm from, to pace me having essentially never met me or connected anywhere beyond social media. And here they are in Texas supporting me and encouraging me and telling me that they are going to do everything in their power to get me across that finish line. And they did. And it was, I mean, just, I've never really understood when people said like something is humbling. I used to not understand that until you feel it. But to be so humbled by the way that someone shows up for you it it just puts you in such a position that you feel like you have to do it for other people. You want to do it for other people. That is your purpose. My purpose is no longer to do something for myself, to say, I ran 100 miles. I'm going to do this. It is always we. It is always us. And it is always how can I help you to do something to see how strong you are. This isn't, it's never fun if we do it alone. Do it together because it is, I mean, it's just absolutely amazing the power that comes from those moments. Yeah, it's so much fun too. We're stronger together. You have the the memories, the moments, the bonding throughout all of it. I didn't realize that some of your pacers came through social media, which is incredible. And I think Austin, or I know it's such a strong testament to who you are as a person and how authentic you show up to social media and in life and on this podcast. And, um, and I'm just really, really just so proud of you and so happy for you and everything that you got to create, not just over the weekend, but really the last year has been an incredible shift in all ways. And it's been really fun to see you just flourish and really like lean into your passions Um, do you have any advice, any additional advice for anyone who is looking to like get into it, the ultra space, or maybe race a new distance that's unfamiliar for them, um, or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I would give a few things like number one would just be to trust yourself, trust what you feel. We've talked a lot about intuition If you feel like you want to do something, don't look past that. Don't downplay what you feel like excites you. I think it's really easy to like look at social media and see what other people are doing and then consider what you want to do and feel like it's not as valuable. Mm -hmm. Really lean into where you're at and where you want to go. 
So just trusting that intuition. The second thing would be embrace what it's going to take to get there. Because I, you know, I've found that there's like two very exciting moments throughout the process of creation. So this can be like creation of, you know, training towards a goal and achieving a goal. I, I considered this also through writing. Like when I have an idea to write about, I get really excited when I think about the idea initially. And then that excitement is downplayed because you have to actually put in a lot of work to create it. But then that excitement is magnified even more when you've created it. So it's like two moments are very exciting. The moment where it is born into the world in your mind. And then the moment where you put it out into the world based off the work that you produce. So the second step there is just embrace what it's going to take. It's not going to be comfortable. And you're going to have to maintain like what we've talked about a lot, that North Star. Where you want to go, like that star is very bright, but you're going to lose sight of it a few times. You're going to get stuck in the trees. You're going to lose sight and you're not going to understand how powerful that light is. But if you continue to work towards it, and then the third thing would be just commit, go all in and push through the discomfort. Because when you push through it, you know, it's, it's like the saying that the pain is temporary, but the pride is forever. And that pride, that pride sticks with you. And that pride's about a lot more than just you. When you push through that pain, you see who's in your corner. And when you see who's in your corner, that is so empowering for all things that you want to do in the future and all the ways that you want to show up for people in the future as well. Incredible. Love it. All right. As we're closing down, is there anything else you'd like to mention or say about this weekend and how you're feeling? I just want to say thank you. Thank you to everyone who came out to support me in Huntsville, Texas, all of the members of the BPN team. I I don't want to list names because I know I'm going to forget somebody. And if I forgot somebody, I would not forgive myself, but thank you to everyone who was there. Um, I mean, it was, it was truly one of the most amazing things that I've ever been a part of. And I'm extremely grateful for it. And then also thank you to everyone who reached out on social media you know, I had some of the crew kind of managing the social media throughout the race. And I, I had kind of told them, like, let's make a post every loop. Let's make sure that we have stories going up to make sure people are like, I wanted people to be in the story, even if only through social media. But one thing that they didn't do was open any of the messages that I got throughout the race. So to go back through those messages, from so many people over the last 24 hours. Um, you know, I, I made sure to respond to every single one of them because it was really special. It was special to see that the support was there, but also that it meant something for people to see this journey take place and to know that if they want to do something, they probably have people there to support them as well. And if you feel like you don't have someone there to support you, reach out to me or another member of the VPN community because there are people who want to support you in pursuit of your goals uh, because we're stronger when we work hard for something. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot to be gained from that. So just really grateful. 
whatever the future holds as far as goals that are going to be set or, or things that I'm going to work towards, this will always be at the forefront of my mind of like, why do you work so hard for something? Why do you wake up and put in the work that looks really boring every single day? You do it because when you create something that's as beautiful as what took place this past weekend, it'll stick with you forever. Yeah, an incredible moment that lasts a lifetime. And I'm just so proud of you and everything that you created. Um, and I'm really excited to see what you get to create here in the next year or six months or five years. Like you're unstoppable and it's so inspiring to watch you. And, you know, your crew did an incredible job this weekend with stories and posts. I actually was wondering if you had pre-written some of them because they sounded just like you. Um, but maybe it was just, you know, the BPN tone, right? Um, yeah. or sometimes when you're with your, with your community and with your friends, it just kind of flows like that. So incredible job. Um, if you haven't seen Austin's posts, highly recommend that you jump on Instagram and take a look at what he created, what he and his team created. Um, and, uh, give him some kudos and likes there. Um, Thank you so much for listening today to this episode. We love you. Um, Austin, where can our audience connect with you if they'd like to uh, give you more hands up in the air emojis for everything that you created? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Austin Myers 12. Great. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Sarah Runs Happy and at Elevate Your Running. Thank you everyone for listening this week. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.